The destruction of the Death Star was a major victory for the Rebellion. But our battle isn't over yet. Darth Vader and the evil forces of the Emperor keep a stranglehold over the galaxy. But the Rebel Alliance must and will succeed in forever ridding the galaxy of their scourge. Even now, in our secret underground base on the ice planet Hoth, new strategies are being planned. to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 64. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, wherever you are. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are very excited that you are joining us here at the diner tonight. Uh, it, we have an incredible show for you in store and lots of good news, lots of good thoughts. No interview tonight, uh, and we'll explain that in just a little bit, but it's going to be a great show. There's still lots of good stuff to talk about. Yes, including the fact that, that Miles, you, you've reached a milestone in your life. That is true. I uh, recently celebrated my 40th birthday, but uh, as my wife will remind me, um, in a lot of ways I'm still 12-year-old. So maybe a little older, but not too old to enjoy some sci-fi. Yes, yes. And 12-year-old, uh, but I think she's referring to when you talk about Star Trek probably. That could be. That yeah, could be. And, and what a great party. I mean, a Star Trek themed, and, and uh, people definitely knew you, Miles. They definitely knew you. That, that is true. <laughs> they knew so, what they were getting yeah, They did. They did indeed. You know, talk about an interesting weekend. Uh, the day after your, your birthday, we recorded this awesome interview with the founder of the Leviathan Chronicles, Christoph. Had a great conversation with him. We were supposed to bring you that interview tonight, uh, but I had a glitch with uh, my recording device. When I went to boot it down to my computer, I lost it all. Uh, I was so heartbreaking. I almost cried. Uh, luckily, we are still going to be able to bring you that interview because he's agreed to be back on. So thank you, Chris, for giving us a, another chance to interview you. And if you have not done so, you've got to check out the Leviathan Chronicles. Check out their website. Go ahead, download the audiobook. It's free in iTunes, and it's just phenomenal. I, I, I 100% agree. I've been enjoying Leviathan Chronicles very much, and uh, and he's not done yet. There's going to be – there's 25 episodes and there's going to be another 25 more, so right. it's uh, so it's, it's going to be great. Did you finish all 25 miles? Not yet. I'm going to probably listen to uh, that 25 uh, part two tomorrow. Right, right. And I'm up to episode 19, and absolutely loving the series. It is incredible. It's action packed. It's a it's a way an audio drama should be done, in my opinion. It's definitely well worth it. So, Miles, I have an interesting story to tell you, uh, oh. and we're going to be talking about Steve Jobs a little bit later on. 
in your mm-hmm. uh, in your twist, your this week in Star Trek because there's some Star Trek news that came out of Steve Jobs' mouth on his uh, guest yesterday. But uh, talking about Steve Jobs, so yesterday I'm down. I, I'm I get you know typically my morning miles. I get up, I hop on the treadmill, run for about an hour, hour and a half, you know, and I'm typically watching. I'm working my way through Next Generation, right? Just finished season one. By the way, stupid, stupid final episode for the season. Totally hated season one, the ending of it. Mm-hmm. They introduced the, the Romulans and the, and the neutral the, the neutral zone dispute, and boom, that's it. It, was, it wasn't what I was hoping for in a cliffhanger. Maybe I'm just expecting more now with today's shows to give you such great cliffhangers, and I felt like season, season one just kind of let me down. Well, when I watched it back then, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, season one's a little hard to watch sometimes. Uh, they were really trying to find out where they were going with it, and I can understand why you might feel let down. Yeah, I did. Uh, but season two's cued, and I'm ready to go. Uh, There's some really good season two episodes. Four four episodes in my iPhone, and I'm ready to rock and roll tomorrow morning when I hop in the treadmill. I did like the the featurettes, the mission logs that they had on the DVDs. They gave you some background into it, so I thought that was kind of cool. But that's not really the point. I hopped in the treadmill, and afterwards, I typically eat breakfast, and my son was up. He was in watching Wow I Was Be or whatever he was watching, and – I walk into the room and here he's grabbed my wife's iPhone uh, and has proceeded to clean it. All right. So what he did, he's grabbed a bottle of Windex. He cleaned the TV, cleaned his desk, and then soaked her iPhone in Windex. Yeah. Not a real good idea if you have an iPhone. Let me ask you this. Uh, does it work now? I don't know. I haven't tried it since it was not working as of yesterday. Okay. And uh, she went and bought a Go phone saying, heck with it, I'm going to wait till the new phone's out before I get another phone. So I think she's right. trying to get the newest iPhone. But it gets better, Miles. So that, that right, you know, later on in the morning we had a wedding and then we came to your party, your festivities, right? And afterwards, uh, we went to the local Hampton Inn. We were going to go swimming there, stay overnight, and then, you know, go to our jobs the next day. So that evening I say, okay, we're going down to the pool. I'm going to bring my iPhone along. I have, the, I have a Kindle app on the iPhone. I'm working through, uh, Star Wars Fate of the Jedi Allies book. I just love the Fate of the Jedi series. If you haven't checked it out, you got to check it out and you're a Star Wars fan. So what I did is, I, you know, stick it in my pocket. I'm on my way down. We run into some friends of ours at the hotel. We chat with them a while. Kiefer, you know, runs into a door, and so I deal with that. So by the time I get to the pool, right, Kiefer's my son, by the way. By the time I get to the pool, I've totally forgotten my iPhone's in my pocket. Well, I leap into the pool. Oh, my goodness. So, boom, two iPhones destroyed in one day. It was it was ironic. I just sat there. I wanted to cry and laugh, and I ended up – it was just – it was funny. It was just funny in the end. Uh, now, luckily, my iPhone is functional. I just can't make phone calls on it, and there's no and there's no Wi-Fi on it. But it's slowly been drying out, and I've been working on drying it out, doing the whole rice trick it is with the iPhone. Um, sorry if this is not interesting to you guys, but uh, this is kind of my life the past weekend. You know, I lost an interview. I two iPhones destroyed. It was not the weekend for technology for me. That's for sure. <laughs> so. But I am excited about the iPhone 4, and uh, I think I'm just going to kind of deal with out of phone for about a week. So, Miles, you need to get a hold of me, do it by Skype. So, okay. So, whatever. So, that's been my weekend from hell. Uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, well, you know, technology. You, you don't realize how much you rely on it. And I think the iPhone has become such a multifunctional device in my life that I just didn't realize how much I uh, depended on until I just lost it. But 
That is true. Uh, you do depend on pot. But but I can still watch movies on it, still listen to my podcasts, and uh, it's good. I just don't have any access to the internet on it. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it'll work later. It might. It might. Who knows? You know, give it a few days. It's been working better each day, so who knows? Maybe once the water the water's out and the kinks are out, it'll be working by the time you guys hear this episode. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? Knowing me, something will go wrong with this, and I'll have to re-record it. We're going to drop a call somewhere. We didn't drop any calls, Miles, yet. I know. That's fabulous. It is fabulous, and that's unusual. The past couple episodes, we've been dropping calls. But that's totally cool. I, You know, I, I have it rigged in the same way we rigged it in for the Leviathan Chronicles interview, and it worked well during that. So, mm-hmm. Well, Miles, let's go on to the menu tonight. We have an exciting menu uh, here, and as I've said before, you know, this is our menu. This is what we put on because we love the food that we're going to be dishing out for you tonight. But the reality is, is there's anything that you want on the menu – you let us know any sci-fi stories, your thoughts on anything that you want to push our direction. Go ahead, shoot it out to us. We would love to address it and talk about it on the show. Please do. Yeah, absolutely. So on the menu tonight, we are serving up the Yorkers' top ten sci-fi movies of all times. Whether we agree with that, well, we're going to let you know that a little bit later on the show. And what sci-fi can you be looking forward to this summer? Well, we're going to let you know that as well and give you our thoughts on it. We have some Star Wars trivia for you. We have the Heroes miniseries coming up, Batman, Crow, Spider-Man reboots, and news. Psychologist deemed Darth Vader mentally ill. No, duh. George Lucas releases yet another version of Star Wars. Well, at least a cantina scene. Star Wars uh, has it in for AT&T. That's AT&T. That's not AT-AT. AT&T. And uh, Miles, it brings you his week, th- this week in Star Trek with Nimoy Fringe News, Steve Jobs News, and Scott and Miles. Well, we give you our top five movies to watch while running on the treadmill. So talking about the treadmill, this will be our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. So how does that sound, Miles? Sounds excellent. It should be an excellent and a good, a good, good night. Why don't we go ahead and leap into our trivia, and why don't we start by telling them what they can win? I'm going to be putting a URL to this in our show notes, but these are four books by Smart Pop Books, and the URL will be there if you want to check them out. But what are the four books, Miles? Uh, the winner will uh, win uh, In the Hunt, um, Essays on Supernatural with Ford by Keith uh, R.A. DeCanado, uh, Finding Serenity, and uh, The Man from Krypton, which I read very good, and and. and Thoughts about uh, Anita Blake's uh, Vampire Hunter series. Yeah, and by the way, Finding Serenity was edited by Jane Espenson, who wrote Shindig, the episode Shindig, for you Firefly fans, and was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer writer. So, just you might notice. There's some notables here, and four books. We've never given away four items on the show, and this is a chance for you to win. Miles, what is our trivia question? Okay, now, uh, listeners, I challenge you not to go on IMDb, or maybe just see, just go back to... When you watched Return of the Jedi, yes, don't, don't don't go rewatch it for this. Yes, yes. see if you can just f- remember. You you really have a fifty fifty chance, right? He, he, that is true, fifty fifty. Uh, the question is, which of Vader's hands did Luke sever with his lightsaber? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that's a great question, Miles. So, so, did you know this without looking? I was 99% sure of the answer, and, I, and when I checked, I confirmed it. So, yeah. 
Now, just so you know, you're going to have a little bit longer this month. We're, we're recording an episode next week, but uh, we're going to give you till the beginning of July. So the very first week of July, we will be giving you time to answer this trivia question and get the answer into us to win these four books. Uh, I guess in some show news that's linked into that, we're recording our episode next week. We're interviewing the guy from Go Mutants, as well as doing an interview with the Leviathan Chronicles creator as well. And then after that, we're going to take a break. I'll be on vacation, and then I'll be heading into some schooling, and at the beginning of July, we're back. All right, there are many ways you can contact us with the trivia. Um, you can email it to us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Call it in at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, and also uh, Twitter us, Son of Wharf or Sci-Fi Diner. You can get your answers to us that way as well. So many ways people can get a hold of us. By the way, those are all great ways to give us your comments on shows, give us some feedback. We love your feedback. We want your feedback. You can email it to us. Uh, you call it in. Uh, give us your thoughts on what we're talking about. Uh, comment on shows that you're watching. We want to hear from you. Give us your sci-fi five and five. Well, let's go ahead, and before we run into some news, let's go into our first promo this evening, and we're going to start with the Geek Cred pro- promo. Now, these guys have associations with Leviathan Chronicles, and so we wanted to pimp them a little bit, and um, and actually, uh, uh, Geek Cred is what put is who put us in touch with the Leviathan Chronicles. So we are incredibly indebted to Steve from Geek Cred. So thank you, Steve. Thank you, because we absolutely have fallen in love and are great believers in the Leviathan Chronicles. But without further ado, here's the um, here's the promo. Do you drool over cutting edge technology? Are you the first in line for the latest sci-fi movie? Do you stay up late at night playing video games? Do you consider being called a geek a badge of honor? Then Geek Cred is the show for you. Join me, Steve Rickyberg, as I bring you in-depth, behind-the-scenes interviews to give you the inside scoop on everything geek. From tech to sci-fi to games, you name it, we geek it. Geek Cred, are you geek enough? To download and subscribe, visit www.geekcred.net. And get your geek on. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner. Let's go ahead and jump into our main course, although I have a main dish later on when we actually talk over the interview segment. But let's talk about uh, TV news tonight. And Miles, why don't you start us off with some TV news? Heroes might come back as a miniseries. Heroes finished its run in February, but like any good dead superhero, it might come back, only in a slightly different form. TV Guy reports that Heroes creator Tim Crane is talking to NBC about doing a wrap-up miniseries that will place a year after the events in the show's final episode. Should the Axe series return the wrap-up miniseries, that's creator Tim Crane's hope, he says he's meeting with NBC this month to discuss it. The plot will skip ahead a year or so to see the effect of Claire's revelation. There will be a huge cultural and social change in the world, says Kring. Some of our characters will be hiding, some struggling, some basking in the glory. Claire, who desperately wanted a normal life, will become a reluctant spokesperson for the abnormals. Siler will again struggle with his dark side. And Adrian Pazdar will likely return, though not as Nathan, who died. Kring said the entire cast is willing to return for the project, though TV Guide could not get NBC to comment on how realistic the idea is. Uh, so, listeners, what do you think? Um, is it a good idea, or, or should we let sleeping dogs lie? Miles, what do you think? I would be interested in, in a Heroes miniseries, because I, I think there's some loose ends that, that could be tied up, and 
you know, I, I, I guess they figured when they when they aired last season this was this was it. But you just can't, uh, you know, tie all the loose ends. And so I would be into it. I really would. You know, it would be nice to see some of the storylines wrapped up. You know, I, if any, although I honestly, I'd much rather see a flash forward wrap up because I feel like we were left hanging much more in that in that episode. In that right. series, but you know, uh, it's kind of nice. And Heroes had my interest enough that I'd w- I want to see it. Uh, hopefully, the miniseries will have a bit more direction than the show did. Maybe because they were wrapping it up, it will. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Here, here's you want my opinion. Uh, I'm fifty fifty on it. Part of me says, "Oh, come on, it's over. Let's move on. New shows, better shows, whatever." The other part of me says, eh, a little bit nostalgic. I, you know, hate when shows are left hanging. And because of that aspect, because, uh, you know, they kind of leave us hanging with storylines, let's wrap them up and then let's move on. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. If, if they do a Heroes miniseries, I'll definitely watch it. Right. So it has you on. All right. Well, let's move it. That's the only piece of TV news. So let's move on into some movie news. Rumor has it that Jamie Bell is the new Spider-Man. Now, this is unconfirmed, but Sci-Fi Wire did talk about this just a couple weeks ago. We brought you a story that Columbia Pictures had narrowed down its list of Peter Parker hopefuls to five actors, one of which was British actor Jamie Bell, Billy Elliot, The Adventures of Tintin, who now has reportedly been chosen to become the next web-slinger. If true, Bell will have beaten out the likes of Alden... I. Ironreich, Ironreich, I'm going to totally botch in that name, Frank Delane, Andrew Garfield, and Josh Hutcherson. Bleeding Cool states that they have received repeated reports over the 24-hour period that Bell has indeed been chosen to play Peter Parkett. Neither the studio nor the reps of Bell confirmed this casting in Mark Webb's reboot, but we'll let you know the minute something crawls our way. Get it? (laughs) Untitled Spider-Man reboot, directed by Mark Webb, is slated to hit theaters July 3rd, 2012. So two years away. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think of... Number one, we talked about the Spider-Man reboot. And I'm a bit iffy on it. I, I am too. It hasn't been that long since the first Spider-Man movie was, was in theaters. It just seems that they're, I don't know, just just too soon to, to do it all over again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Spider-Man the first one, but then the subsequent ones weren't quite as solid. And I'm ready for maybe a break of Spider-Man. Uh, my favorite part about the story is that Mark Webb is directing the reboot. You know, okay. the fact that Mark Webb, get it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's as bad as something crawling our way. Let's move on into uh, some Crow news. As reported by uh, Sci-Fi Mafia, a reboot of The Crow is, is moving forward. Back in November, they brought you some details on writer director Stephen Norrington's yeah, – he, he uh, directed uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, reboot of The Crow, and in February we had an, they had an exclusive interview with the creator of The Crow, James O'Barr, and got his thoughts on a proposed remake. Now we have word the reboot is moving forward. Uh, the, the Crow reboot producer, Edward Pressman, uh, told MTV that Stephen Norrington has finished a script and they are moving forward to casting. Uh, we've got an offer to a major actor and things are moving ahead very aggressively with the aim of doing the film this year. Pressman also indicated that the setting for the film will be different than the original. While Norrington's reboot set to take place in the Southwest and Detroit or something like that. Pressman said the setting is the Midwest, the Mexico, Arizona area, and, and an urban setting. Detroit or Pittsburgh or something like that, he described. It's so. an issue. But, you know, starts in the Southwest, moves into the big city, basically. Okay. Uh, Miles, your thoughts? 
Um, I really like the first crow uh, with uh, Brandon Lee. I did see a couple of the the new ones they did afterward. They don't hold a candle to the, the first one. I, I think it's this. This time, I'm going to say let, let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, the first one was a legend, well, because of the mystique with with the death of Brenda Lee while right. filming the movie. Um, so, no, I, I would be, I would be, I'd rather they, they not make it, to be honest with you. It really depends. I mean, now this is a reboot that certainly there's been enough time between now and the original as far as that goes. I'm inclined to agree. It's been a long time since I saw the original Crow. I mean, that movie's what? 15, 20 years old? It's about 15, 16 years old. Yeah, so I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't need to see another crow. But I will say this. If if you get the right director in, and I'm not saying this is the right director, and if you get the right actor playing the part, you could pull it off. You could pull it off. And I guess maybe the other argument is you need the right script as well. You know, because, you know, as far as that goes, there's a whole generation that has not experienced the crow. And so if you spin it toward teens again or to a younger audience, I mean, I remember when I first started teaching high school, girls were just in love with Brandon Lee, you know, mm-hmm. and the crow. No, I just think the first one still has, it's almost a cultural icon. I mean, you'll still see uh, memorabilia of it being sold, posters, uh, T-shirts. Maybe because Brandon Lee died while making it. It seems like they tried to – they weren't remakes. They were just with different characters, but they, it just never – it, it, it was never as good as the, as the first one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, you have some other news here. No, Joe, no Joker in Batman 3. Uh, Man of Steel to stay close to character's uh, core. The director of Empire Magazine – replied a straight no to the question of bringing back the Joker. He said that he finds himself uncomfortable talking about the Joker. No one has given Empire Magazine some information that the fans have been waiting to hear about. It was the first time I was able to conceive of how you'd address Superman in a modern context. I thought it was a really exciting idea, he said. What you have to remember about Batman and Superman is that what what makes them the best superhero characters there are, the most beloved after all this time, is the essence of who they are and when they were created and when they were first developed. You can't move too far away from that. Also, no one makes it sound as, as a third Batman film will be the last that he has intentions of will make a trilogy of films. He stated in the interview, without getting into specifics, the key thing that makes the third film a great possibility for us is we want to finish our story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, now I'm excited about the third Batman. And the first two Batmans were so good. And it's, it's certainly no surprise you're not going to do a Joker. I mean, there's no way that anyone can top Heath Ledger's performance. I, I agree. Um, but it does make me, I mean, I think they can, they can conceivably keep making more Batman movies. There's there's other villains for him to uh, do battle with. And Christian Bale is a great Batman. So I hope they... Don't stop at the third one. I hope they can make a couple more. Yeah, and um, although I can I can see Christian Bale agreeing to do a third one, I'm not sure he's going to continue in the role of Batman. I mean, three is a lot. You know, when you commit to a trilogy and he wants to move on as an actor, I just don't see him doing more than that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, maybe it depends on the money. Yeah, I think I think that'll have a lot to do with it. You know, you pay him the right price, pay him the right price, and he can gargle knives all day. That, that's true. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know when they're saying this is coming out. 2012, yep. 2013, or maybe they haven't slated it yet. I didn't see a date for the new Batman movie yet. Well, psychologists have determined that Darth Vader was mentally ill, 
And every geek out there saying, no, duh. I mean, <laughs> come on. Who didn't know this? French psychologists recently spent time analyzing Darth Vader. We're not sure why. To determine that the Sith Lord was mentally ill, according to live science. Specifically, they say he probably has a borderline personality described by Wikipedia as a prolonged disturbance of personality function in a person, generally over the age of 18 years, though it's also found in adolescents, characterized by depth and variability of moods. The psychologists are going to publish their findings in the journal Psychiatry Research, but Live Science has a preview. Skywalker hit six out of nine borderline personality disorder criteria as defined by the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition, DSM-4. He only needed to meet five criteria to qualify as suffering from the disorder. For instance, the future Darth Vader showed both impulsivity and anger management issues as an overexcited lovelorn Jedi. He went back and forth between idealizing and devaluing Jedi mentors, such as a humorous such as uh, humorless young Obi-Wan Kenobi. Abandonment issues also surface. Skywalker has a permanent fear of losing his wife, Padme Amidala, and he went so far as to betray his Jedi mentors, companions, to try to prevent her death. Uh, two displays of dissociative episodes took place when Skywalker tried to distance himself from stressful events. The first episode took place after he slaughtered the local tribe of Tuscans responsible for his mother's death. The second episode occurred following his murderous rampage among the young Jedi trainees as he voiced his paranoid thoughts about Obi-Wan Kenobi and his wife. Lastly, any Star Wars fan would recognize Skywalker's identity issues and uncertainty about who he was. His fateful turn to the dark side and change of name to Darth Vader would represent the ultimate sign of such identity disturbance, the researcher said. For some reason, the study neglected to mention the other signs of Vader's poor mental health, such as torturing people, destroying entire planets, choking his co-workers to death, and cutting off his son's hand, among other things. Very humorous. None of this is surprising, but I love the fact that psychologists did a psycho basically psychoanalyzed Darth Vader. Interesting. Freud would have had a field day with Vader. Oh, man. And it's funny to see him. What's funny is to see Vader put in this light. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that I you know, I picture Vader just kind of lying on the couch, you know, sitting with his shrink going through this. Hey, we don't serve their kind here. Your droids, they'll have to wait outside. I heartily agree with you, sir. On Solo, I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Fortin. What's your problem? He doesn't like you. I don't like him. This little one's not worth the effort. I don't like you either. Well, I don't like you either, fool. Oh, you want some? Step up. Never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Okay, you guys got yourselves a ship. Will George Lucas ever stop reshooting the cantina scene? First, he tried to make us believe with his edits to Star Wars that Greedo shot first. Sorry, George, we ain't buying it. And now this? We watched and rewatched that Moss Eisley scene so many times we, we can't really forget 
we aren't actually there. But one thing we're we're sure of is that David Beckham and Snoop Dogg weren't there either. Well, now they are, thanks to a commercial for Adidas Originals, a Lucasfilm pulled together in with the upcoming 2010 FI FH World Cup. And uh, we'll uh, post a link on YouTube. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll post the uh, the actual uh, commercial in our, in our show notes if you want to watch it. I love this, Miles. This is great. Oh, I laughed. I, I thought it was funny. To see Snoop Dogg in the can- at cantina, that was phenomenal. So, right, and interacting with that guy that was uh, pushing Luke around and hearing uh, uh, Snoop Dogg uh, talk smack back at him. It was it made me appreciate it more. Yeah, and you know the other thing, uh, that guy that was like looking at the uh, at the at the blaster, saying, oh, "What's this thing? What's this thing?" That's kind of funny too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well worth it. Oh, one real quick piece of news is uh, they and this, these have been around for a while, but. The, if you remember when the Empire Strikes Back came out, they actually had phone li- a phone line you call in and hear a recorded message. I'm going to put a link to the five these five messages. In fact, you heard one at the very beginning of the show that I'm that I'm going to pop in there. But uh, check them out. It's them talking about uh, the, these. These voicemail recordings take place from Han Solo's C-3PO, uh, Princess Leia, Darth Vader, and Luke, and you can get messages from all of them, and they took place between Star Wars A New Hope and Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. And they were the telephone number was actually the date that the movie is to be released. They had so many people call in, it crashed the phone line. That is really cool. It is definitely, it was definitely uh, kind of cool. I, I never heard them. I know they've been around, but I just never heard them. So thought I'd mention them. So yeah, I'm, uh, trying to, I'm trying to think if, if, if I, as a kid, remembered the, those phone messages or not. But uh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. This week is in Star Trek. This week in Star Trek news, and I want to thank Chris, our friend from Social Security, for uh, uh, providing this. Uh, Go, Chris. So, so Leonard Nimoy retiring. Well, maybe not. Leonard Nimoy may return in Fringe Season 3. Now, granted, this is uh, this might be rumor, but uh, Leonard Nimoy's retirement may be short-lived if the rumors we're hearing are true. According to a, f- a few sites around the net, William Bell might be returning to the Fox hit Fringe in its third season. In a, venu- in a video entitled Fringe Next Chapter, the cast talked about the Season 2 cliffhanger and what may be in store for Season 3. In the interview, Leonard jokingly had this to say about William Bell's death. Do I think he's really dead? Do I think William Bell is really dead? Well, this is science fiction. I have died in science fiction many times and somehow magically or scientifically come back. Leonard continued, given that he has disintegrated, perhaps in the future remains to be seen. And uh, we will uh, post uh, the video in our show notes. And other Star Trek news... Uh, well, let's may- start, before we get into the other news... Uh, let's talk about this. So Nimoy said, I'm retired, I'm done, I'm not acting anymore. What is this? Come on. I, I Yeah, I know. It's, it looks like he's ready to settle down and enjoy his retirement, but I think he might have had so much fun doing Fringe uh, that he might be open to, to be on again. I, I, I don't know what else that, you know. I don't know. This seems to be, uh, seems to be uh, taking a second look. He might be reconsidering. Yeah. I mean, he did reconsider coming back to acting and being in the new Star Trek film. So, hey, and money talks. Money talks, and has, and, and the right job. I mean, he's not going to jump at just any project. It's going to have to be something that's 
that really interests him, and I think he really had a good time doing Fringe. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Take us into the next piece of news. Well, this may not surprise some people, but uh, Steve Jobs admits that he grew up watching Star Trek. Uh, during the unveiling of the new Apple iPhone, Steve Jobs revealed his inner Trek fan. At the Worldwide Developers Conference 2010 San Francisco, the Apple CEO de- debuted the brand new iPhone 4 to the world, list- listing a cadre of new features for the handheld device. The new iPhone boasts a much higher resolution screen, faster processor, new form factor, two cameras, and video conferencing in its list of features. When shown off the new FaceTime video conferencing app, uh, Jobs revealed, I grew up with the Jetsons and Star Trek. Just dreaming about video calling. Now it's real. So I could see that, you know, maybe some of the things that he's come up with, he may have drew some inspiration from Star Trek. Yeah, when that uh, in the, the iPhone, if you're if you're talking about like looking at a phone and conversing with someone, that's very much like a device that you would see on Star Trek. Well, it doesn't look like it, but the idea behind it, right? And the iPad is kind of it kind of hard harkens to Star Trek. I mean, you know, people have these these pads they would write on or you know use to access yeah. things, and so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, whether it be in the medical and medical facility or whatever. So. Right. Well, Miles, thank you for this week of Star Trek. And uh, two great pieces of news there, both with Fringe and obviously with Steve Jobs, because I'm a total Apple fanboy. So I'm glad you brought that in. Well, let's move into our last promo, and our last promo that we're going to play is for the Signal podcast. Our good friend Kevin Batchelder does that, and we, of course, Miles, we're totally Firefly fans. And so let's go ahead, and we're going to play this, and then we're going to jump into no interview tonight, but the top ten sci-fi films and our thoughts about them. You know what the first rule of flying is? Love. You're listening to The Signal. Well, we hope you are. We're back with Season 5. Shiny. Must be bad guys. Could be bumpy. Always is. Oh, God. Oh, God. And this year... We're going further than we ever have before. To bring you the best articles... Interviews... News... And reviews from in and around the world of Joss Whedon's Firefly and Serenity. I love this ship. I have from the first moment I saw it. What you care about is the ships, and mine's the nicest. It's love, in point of fact. She loves the ship. If you love Firefly, you need to listen to The Signal. With new writers, new ideas, new content. And loads of your favorite regular segments. Helping to keep Firefly and Serenity alive in the hearts of browncoats everywhere. Hold. Hold till I get back. Hell with this. I'm gonna live. The Signal. Still flying in 2009. Join us at www.serenityfirefly.com. We're still flying. That's not much. That's enough. The Signal. Season 5. What was that?
right. Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Donner Podcast. Tonight, oh, instead of the interview, what we're going to be doing is bringing you two things. First of all, the Yorka recently republished, and the link to that is in your is in the show notes at SciFiDonnerPodcast.com. But the Yorka recently released what they believe their top ten sci-fi films of all time are. So we're going to go ahead and, and look at these starting at 10, working way down to number one and give you our thoughts on it, our comments on them. And then we're also going to give you, uh, at the end of that, uh, some things you can be looking forward to this summer and maybe some things that we are not looking forward to this summer and that we may not be watching. So, Miles, does it sound good? Sounds great. Sounds good. So let's start with the top 10 sci-fi, sci-fi films. Let's just go ahead and start with their number 10. At number okay. at number ten, they have the 1979 Alien, directed by Ridley Scott. Sigourney Weaver was in that, and kind of you know is the iconic role for her. So, Miles, what do you think of this be be about? What do you think about this being number ten? Well, it's been 30 years now since that movie uh, was in theaters, over 30 years, and but still, it's it's made a huge impact. And continues to make a huge impact on sci-fi and movies. So I think it deserves its place in number 10. It certainly deserves it. I don't know if it should be higher. Some people might argue that. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the Alien movies myself because they freak me out. They are talking about, uh, uh, you know, three prequels. And so it spawned many movies. I, I think it does. I, I agree. I think it deserves at least number 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you do number nine, Miles? Number nine, Sunshine. This came out in 2007. In the year 2057, the sun will decide to expire earlier than intended. In a last-ditch bid for survival, humanity sent a team of scientists to reignite the dying star with a nuclear weapon on board the spaceship Icarus. Not a great name considering its mission. Uh, past Mercury, they receive a transmission from another ship, and things begin to go horribly, horribly wrong. Now, I don't know this film. I, I don't recall seeing it in movie theaters. This is something... I don't know if it's a foreign sci-fi film. Are you familiar with this? I've heard of it. So okay. I haven't watched it. Uh, so for me, personally, this would not be in the top ten list only because I haven't watched it and really can't comment on it. And, it, and if I haven't watched it, it means it wasn't one of the main ones. It doesn't mean it wasn't good. I actually think – I actually thought at one time I had it on the Netflix list, but I don't know. I didn't. I haven't watched it. So no comment on that. Yeah, my, me neither. I'll, maybe I'll check it out though. Yeah, my, especially since it's on this top 10 list, maybe. Number eight was Terminator 1 and 2, the 1984 and 1991. Discerning readers will see that there's actually, there's actually two films uh, well spotted. Unfortunately, there are no prizes here in The Yorker. The reason for this uh, duopoly is that it's good old Arnie. This can't be contained into one film. Uh, it, you know, these are obviously two classic Terminator films. We referenced the one in... Uh, one of our prior podcasts just with that whole uh, truck explosion. But these were some classic movies. I watched these numerous times in my teens. Yeah, this definitely deserves a place in the top ten. I, I'm not sure where. They're definitely icon- iconic and uh, inspired two more films, and we might get two, probably two more uh, Terminator films out of this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll go to number seven. Back to the Future, 1985. Marty McFly. Uh, always love Michael J. Fox is a down-and-out loser with no prospects and a horrible family. However, after a phone call from his scientist friend Doc, he finds himself traveling through time in a converged space station wagon, significantly improving his life in the process. Um, well, it was more of a converted uh, DeLorean. Yeah. But that's a- what are your thoughts about number seven? 
I'm not sure if it deserves a place in the top ten or not. It's it, it's kind of iffy. I, I I enjoyed Back to the Future and I and I own them. I'm not sure that it's it's kind of either sci-fi or comedy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which, uh, but I, I did enjoy the films tremendously. Yeah, you know, and I'm I yeah, I think that I can see it being in the top ten. My problem is that while I enjoy Back to the Future and I watch it numerous times, it is my wife's favorite sci-fi movie of all times. All three of them, the trilogy. But you know, the problem is, is it feels like bubblegum sci-fi for me, if that's even a term. It's just, it's not, it's not like the other movie you talk about, Terminator, Alien, Sunshine. Sci-fi tends to have a serious side to it. But there's almost something that's very comedic when you see Martin McFly or, you know, you know, in the, in his roles and there's a lot of humor and so it doesn't take itself too seriously as sci-fi. And maybe that's my problem with it being in this top 10 list. Yeah, I, I, I think I would agree. Yeah. And I like the movie and, does it deserve to be recognized? Absolutely. Whether it should be in the top ten, I don't know. Number six is Planet of the Apes, 1968. Astronaut Taylor Charlton, Charlton uh, Heston gets caught in a time warp, although he doesn't know it, and is sent to the future where Earth is ruled by damn dirty apes. Um, in costumes that may look cheesy now, but back in the 60s was cutting edge. I, I, I agree that Planet of the Apes, this one, the first one definitely deserves to be in the top ten. It was definitely a groundbreaker at its time. It dealt with you know a post-apocalyptic Earth, especially at the end, and uh, asked some interesting questions. So I, I think it was it was maybe it doesn't hold up today, but I think it's it's it's, it's a very well written movie. So I, that's why I still think it deserves to be in the top ten. Yeah, you know, and I, I never watched or haven't – I might have. I don't remember watching the original Planet of the Apes. If I did, it was with my father when I was really young. But I never uh, – I don't remember. I did see the newest one, but the newest one obviously didn't hold water to. Number five, Jurassic Park. Uh, Steven Spielberg's ad- adaptation of Michael Crichton's novel was quite frankly amazing. Innovatively designed CGI dinosaurs burst out of their enclosures and endanger their handlers, including Jeff Bold- Goldblum. The film which taught us to never underestimate uh, Velociraptor's ability to operate door handles. I, I would think this one deserves to be in a top ten also. It, it broke around. The, the, the CGI, I still think, you know, holds up pretty good today. Maybe, asked, maybe, maybe a little bit dated, but still, for the time that came out, this was the first good dinosaur movie. You're right. We haven't had a good dinosaur movie in years until this one can come out. Yeah, and, and this one and the subsequent movies that followed were all uh, – uh, well done. I own the trilogy somewhere. I used to have it sitting on my shelf here. I, I don't know where it's at right now. But I, but I love, I love this. I, I'm glad it's in the top top ten. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, number four, The Man from Earth, 2007. What if, by biological freakery, a caveman from 14,000 years ago never died, but instead witnessed all of human social evolution since recorded history began? That's exactly the question which Professor John Oldman asked his colleagues at his farewell party. However, it may be more than just a hypothetical question. I did watch this movie, Miles. Did you see it? I never heard of this movie, so... Uh... It, it has... It's a very independent feel to it. It's, it's independent feel. For me, it's a good movie uh, with some very interesting thoughts and considerations. Not top ten for me. Mm-hmm. Not top ten. Good movie. Well, uh, you know, you can download it on Netflix. It's streaming if you want to watch it. Number three, The Matrix, uh, 1999. Monumental effects and stunts around abound as Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, fights for his life in the artificial reality of the Matrix. 
probably one of the coolest films ever made. It did spark an annoying trend for wearing trench coats and sunglasses indoors. What sequels? Definitely this film belongs in the top ten. Yeah, The Matrix, number one only, is which what's, it was what they're indicating here. Definitely needs to be in the top ten. I love this movie. I still watch it. Uh, you're going to hear about it in just a little bit. So I still think it holds up, and it, it was another groundbreaker. Number two, Star Trek Wrath of Khan, 1982. I know what you're thinking, but this is the exception for the general crappiness of Trek. Uh, this guy doesn't like Trek. Uh, not many films manage to be so thrilling, uplifting, and use the works of Shakespeare, Milton, Melville, Dickens, and C.S. Forrester as touchstones of this film. However, it does it all with ease. I think that most, most Trekkies would even agree that Wrath of Khan deserves to be in the top ten. Most definitely, and, and many Trek, most Trekkers would probably, or Trekkies would say that this may be the best out of all of them. And take us away at number one, Miles. Number one, 2001 A Space Odyssey came out in 1968. Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece in which two astronauts and one increasingly homicidal computer travel to the further reaches of the solar system on a mission that will change humanity's destiny forever. Uh, what do you think uh, about a number one? I'm not sure if it deserves to be number one. I, it probably deserves to be a top ten because another film that was a groundbreaker for its time, I mean, it, it's, it's for 1968, it still looks – Pretty cool. Yeah, you know what? It's slow moving now if you watch it, but definitely a classic. I think most people in sci-fi would say, well, this is definitely belongs in the top films of all time for sci-fi. But whether or not number one, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question I have after going through this list, what movies in your opinion, Miles, are notably absent? That's an excellent question. I'd have to, I'd have to give it some thought. Well, bl- I think Blade Runner's absent. Most people would hail Blade Runner as being another one that belongs in here. Star Wars. Yeah, none, uh, none of the Star Wars movies, especially New Hope, I'm thinking. New Hope is not in here. So Star Wars should definitely be in the top ten. Yeah, so at least at least one of the movies should be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord of the Rings is not in here. I would think that would be in here somewhere. But maybe maybe they consider that fantasy and they, this is, again, more Star Wars. Uh, more more uh, science fiction, I mean. Okay, well let's um, let's move on into the next part here, and that is, oh, oh, what can we look forward to this summer? And so uh, we pulled this from Sci-Fi Wire, and they said here are forty sci-fi shows and movies. We are not going to run through them all, but let's just run down through the list, Miles, and let's see what sticks out in our mind. All right, so Miles, let's look at these forty. Some of these are in process, are being aired right now, and the finales are coming up. Some of them will be starting or later this summer. But these are some 40, 40 shows and movies that you could be watching this summer, and our thoughts on them, whether we care about them, and so on. So here's continuing shows. Uh, first one is Ashes to Ashes. Miles, do you care? I'm not. Sh- I'm trying to remember which one that is. Is that? The, oh uh, no, it's a BBC one, and uh, and oh, I haven't watched it. I just meant, do you care? Are you watching it? Then you aren't. So. Yeah, I'm not watching it right now. Yeah. Doctor Who, BBC America, Saturdays at 9. Phenomenal. I got hooked. I'm watching it. I'm one episode behind, and I cannot wait to watch it. I love this show. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're not a Doctor Who fan, but well worth watching to catch the new, the new, the new Who. But, uh, what about Ghost Hunters Academy? You ever watch any Ghost Hunters? I, I don't watch Ghost Hunters, no. I watched one episode with Amanda... Uh, tapping, but uh, not really watching this at all. How about Happy Town, ABC, Wednesdays no, at ten? No, I'm not watching Happy Town either. It's uh, it's more of a, a thr- you know, kind of a psychological thriller show. Yeah. Series finale ends uh, July seventh, so 
certainly there. Merlin, I am not watching. I always see the beginning of it because I watch the end of uh, Stargate Universe. It's on after Stargate Universe, but I'm not watching this. That, but the finale is coming up the beginning of July. So if you want to, if you're watching Merlin, let us know if you like Merlin. I heard a lot of good things about it, but maybe a replacement for Legend of the Seeker. I'm not sure if that's quite true. Past life, I've heard about. I'm not watching. Are you Miles at all? No, I, I, I have not caught uh, Past Life at all. Yeah, neither Saving Saving Grace. Haven't watched that either. Yeah, I know that that show's coming to an end soon. But uh, one thing we are very excited about is a season finale this Friday night of Stargate Universe. Yes, I'm very. Uh, it's going to be bittersweet because um, part one was excellent, and I can only imagine part two is going to be even more excellent. But it's going to be sad to see uh, SGU go away for a while. Yeah. Season two premiere of Being Human. Heard about this show. This is, of course, with the, uh, I believe it's with the werewolf, the uh, ghost, and the uh, vampire all living together in a house. And so it's kind of uh, cute, I guess. But it's BBC America that airs. That's July 24th. I will not be watching it. Uh, Burn Notice is in here. I don't watch Burn Notice, although I hear a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. Celebrity Ghost Stories uh, on Bio. Me neither. Covert <laughs> uh, Affairs, not interested. Not sure if you are or not. I'm not sure if that – does that deserve to be a sci-fi show? Yeah, me neither. This one, if you're into some good B-movie, Dino Croc versus Super Gator. Sci-fi Saturday Saturday night movie by a sci-fi original movie. <laughs> Doesn't that just make you think of the good old, uh, you know, uh, Godzilla versus, you know, Megatron or whatever? Or King Kong. Yeah, I know. You know, that's what it reminds you of when you see that. I won't watch it. Uh, Eureka's coming back. Uh, I hear a lot of good things about Eureka, although I've only watched a few episodes of Eureka. But, you know, I think the thing about Eureka is that James Callis is joining the cast. Oh, okay. So that's going to be kind of cool. And they're doing that cross. Oh, Will Wheaton's also going to be in there as, as a guest star and Jamie Kennedy. And uh, so that'll be kind of cool. Good old Next Gen alumni. Uh, Factor Faked. Paranormal Files with Sci-Fi Thursday. That's a series from Neil. I guess with a series premiere. Not interested. Futurama is coming back. Do you watch Futurama? Not regularly, but um, I've watched a few episodes. It's uh, it's usually very funny, and they um, they've done some things with Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. There's some fun stuff. There's 12 episodes, new episodes that are coming back June 24th at 10 p.m. Um, don't know if I'll watch it, but uh, it's definitely worth it. Seems to be worth it. Any other shows as you're going down through that kind of look interesting? Jack Hunter and the Lost Treasure of Ugarat is sci-fi. It's a Saturday movie, July 31st. Basically, Warehouse 13's Joanne Kelly stars in this adventure. Flick about a fortune hunter named Jack Hunter who's looking in Syria for an ancient treasure that may be cursed. Uh, I'm kind of interested. Um, I might check out the fandom. That comes uh, June 20th. We talked about that uh, oh, yeah. a few shows back. That's going to be uh, a mini series starting June twentieth. Yeah, that 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 did look interesting. And what, the, the, yeah, the Phantom. And who's in that again? That's the uh, Ryan Carnes. Well, I guess Wednesday tomorrow night this airs. So uh, if you saw this, let us know what you thought. But this is a series premiere, so it's a series. It sounds like Through the Wormhole with Morgan Freeman on the Science Channel. And Morgan Freeman, of course, is the voice of March of the Penguins, and we like Morgan Freeman. Uh, Very much. But. But this is uh, his latest work for NASA, new theories and uh, wormhole travel and 
and time, and it's kind of interesting. This this Sunday night, True Blood, the HBO premiere, season three premiere, people love this show, and so they'll be looking forward to that, I'm sure. Warehouse 13, Miles, you and I are both excited about this show, right? Very much so. Very, very much so. We've been waiting a long time for it to come back. Yeah, so Tuesday, July 6th, right before Shirley, we have this episode these shows coming out. I don't know. Looking forward to it. Should be good. I don't know who who's in this. I thought they had some, they normally have some really good special guest stars. So we'll kind of uh, see see who comes on in this one. So I don't know, Miles. I'm going to tell you. Be honest on TV. There's not a lot that excites me. The Phantom, maybe Warehouse 13. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this summer I'll be watching some DVDs yeah. when my normal TV shows are uh, taking a hiatus. Well, I, I have many seasons of Star Trek to get through, that's for sure. All right, Miles. Well, let's uh, let's uh, get ready to wrap up the show. Why don't we move into our Sci-Fi 5 in 5? And uh, our Sci-Fi 5 in 5, we decided to do the five movies to run on the treadmill to, basically. Or five good movies to watch while running on the treadmill. Now... How I came up with these, and Miles, you kind of helped me come up with these, we said, what movies have fairly high action that are fairly fast-paced to keep you moving, right? And so that are good movies to run to to keep you engaged and just make the time pass real quickly when you're, like, running mindlessly in the treadmill, you know? And I think we have some good ones here, Miles. You'll get my blood pumping. Yep. So number one, and these are not in any order, but number one, Star Trek Eleven. One of the complaints about Star Trek Eleven is that, you know, it's kind of uh, formulaic, I guess, as Dayton Ward might put it. But it is an excellent movie to run to. I love this movie. And when I watch it, I cannot believe an hour has passed when an hour passes by. It's quick-paced, some great action scenes. I love this movie. Yes, Star Trek Eleven is the fastest two hours you'll ever experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess closely following that, The Matrix, the original Matrix, is another one that is really quickly paced. Some good action in that and some great fight scenes. I love it. Terminator Salvation also makes a great in here as being some great Christian Bale, Sam Worthington, and some good action in this one. Again, a fast two hours on the treadmill with this one. The only superhero one to make it is Wolverine, but Wolverine, I thought, had some great action in it, didn't it, Miles? Right. I I, lo- I, I know it's some of the you know, Wolverine uh, diehard fans didn't care for it, but I, I, I loved it. No. Very well done. And the last one, Miles, you did not see, but Don, uh, who we mentioned on the show before, I went to the movie theater with Don. I drug him there because he didn't want to see this movie, and we ended up sitting on the edge of our seats, and it's one that's definitely a good treadmill movie, and that is Mission Impossible 3, done done by none other than... J.J. Uh, Abrams. Yep, so two J.J. Abrams movies here in the mix. Great stuff to run in the treadmill with. So those are our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. If you want to give us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, you can send them in to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or call in at uh, 1-888-508-4343 and leave a voicemail with your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Miles, we got to wrap up the show. Okay. Miles, where can they find the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast? Well, you can go to our website. Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.com. We'll get you I'm there. I'm sorry. I thought I heard a clicking sound. I thought I lost a call. Nope. Uh, didn't lose me yet. You trying to okay. get rid of me, Miles? You're trying to get rid of me. Yeah. I promise you I am not. All right. Um, so, yeah, you can, you can go to the website, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We'll get some more members in that. Reach our We're goal of 100. 
We're up to 80 fans so far. 80 fans. Thank you, all our new fans and all our new listeners. Thank you so much for joining that. If you haven't joined our Facebook page, check it out. Oh, by the way, I uploaded some uh, <coughs> uh, far Farpoint uh, videos. They're up on our site as well, so make sure you check it out on our website. You can obviously follow us on Twitter, Sci-Fi Diner on Twitter. They can follow you at Son of Wharf Miles. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. That's that's a pretty good wrap. Anything else we want to say? No, I think we, we covered it. Yep. Visit us on iTunes. Leave us a good review. Let us know your thoughts, what you're watching, what you're going to be watching this summer in the lull of good sci-fi movies and television shows. Uh, let us know what you're watching. Uh, we're going to be back next week with an interview from Larry from Go Mutants. If you don't know what it is, we're going to be bringing it to you so you can find out. If you haven't done so, check out Leviathan Chronicles. And that's it, Miles. Take it away. Well, until then, good night and good luck. All right. We'll see you.